listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you don't know me, my name's Tony. I am a pastor on staff here, which I love very, very much. I love this church. I love getting to be a part here and all the relationships that I've built over the last year and a half. And so I'm thankful to be here, and I'm always thankful for the opportunity to get to speak. I take it very seriously. I love preaching, and I know the weight that comes with it because uh, you guys are listening to, to me about what I say about the Bible, so I want to make sure it's accurate and true and according to what God is saying in his word. Um, before we get started, I just want to, to pray real quick, okay? Dear Lord, thank you for everything that you, you do. Thank you for everything that you are, Lord. You're so good and kind to us, Lord, and I pray, Father, that in the next few months as we talk about, or the the next few moments as we talk about your word, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray, be with us and and touch our hearts so we can draw closer to you, Lord. Amen. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about um, drawing a line in the sand. Um, So my message today is called Line in the Sand, because there are moments in our lives where we all have to, to draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. Like, I, I, this is where the enemy stops. This is where toxicity stops. This is where the people's influence that shouldn't be in my life stops. This is where the, the plans and attacks of the enemy in my life stops. So today we're going to talk about setting a boundary, a godly boundary in our life and what that looks like. You know, growing up, I really loved history and English. I didn't really enjoy school because I have ADHD and I, I'm hyperactive and I don't like sitting in one place very much, as you can tell by how much I move my hands. Um, and so I had a hard time sitting still, but I really loved English and history. For whatever reason, that, those subjects really engaged me and, and I loved them, but I specifically loved Texas history. I love Texas history, and one of my favorite stories that I was told in Texas history is, might be his, historically accurate, it might not be. It's more of a legend than anything, but um, it, it comes from the Alamo, and that's when uh, Colonel William Travis was in charge of the Alamo and, and the stand that was taking place there, and he met with the, the, the Mexican army, and they were basically like, surrender or die. And so he goes back to the Alamo, and as the legend states, he draws a line in the sand with his sword, and he he talks to his men, and he's like, if you cross this line, you're going to stay and defend and more, more than likely die here, but I'm giving you the ability to leave right now. And according to the legend, all but one of the men stayed and defended and ultimately died, but it led to a lot of great things that happened for the freedom of Texas was that stand. And Colonel William Travis making that stand there gave the other people the ability to experience freedom. And so what stand do you need to take in your life for your kids to experience freedom, for your family around you to experience freedom? The godly boundaries you set up in your life will give others the ability to experience the freedom that you've experienced. But it starts with you saying, enough is enough. I'm drawing a line. The enemy can't come past here. I'm going to defend this, this place, this spot. I'm going to defend my family. See, have you ever been in a place where you had to do that, where you had no other option than to draw the line in the sand? Where you, you're, you're like, okay, I can't go any further. 
Money's not stretching anymore. It doesn't matter how many quarters I find, it's not going anywhere, <laughs> right? See, drawing these lines in the sand, it could be with toxic people. Sometimes it's with your kids. It's like, you're not getting up from that table till you finish that broccoli. Like, that, like, that happens sometimes, right? You, you, know, you know the willpower of a four-year-old. Like, they will sit there and they will be defiant. <laughs> you know, so much so that uh, I've, I've seen my kids where it's like, you're going to do this, where they look at me and I can see in, like, I can see them thinking about how they're thinking of ways that they can obey me but not do what I told them to at the same time, <laughs> right? They're, they're like, okay, how can I do this just enough to where he thinks I'm obeying, but I'm not really, and sometimes we take that approach with, with the Lord. Sometimes, and, and listen, it's, it's, it's not a knock on us, okay? Because sometimes it's just a misunderstanding of what, what the word is really saying, all right? And see, because oftentimes we have to, to create these boundaries. We have to draw the line in the sand. It's, it's to help us balance life out, it's to help us balance life out. It's not saying I'm cutting off relationship with somebody, but it is saying this is as far as your relationship goes in my life. Yes. And that's okay, because sometimes the influence people have over you make you do stupid things. Like, I've been in a relationship with a pastor who was a mentor, a father figure to me, and they abused that in my life. And they were able to get me to do things that I would not normally do. It wasn't until I realized that they were in it for their own gain and not to get me closer to Jesus that I was able to say, you know what, we're, we're just going to draw this line here. You're way back here now. You don't, get to, you don't get to be close personal friends with Tony anymore. It's like we're hardly acquaintances now. And that's okay because it was healthy for me. See, and in order to understand healthy boundaries in your life, you have to understand who God is. Because we, we have to keep these boundaries in different areas of life, focusing on God. See, what does it mean to have a healthy focus on the Lord in your life? Does it mean that you need to sell everything you own, give it to the poor and follow him? Well, if he called you to do that, sure. But if he hasn't, if you're supposed to be a person that finances the kingdom, that would probably not be the smartest move on your part. So what does it look like to create healthy boundaries in your work-life balance? If you're not present for your kids because you're working all the time because you think all the money you're bringing in is providing a better life for them, but you're not there to shape them and guide them and train them in the ways they should go, as the scriptures say, is it really a good trade-off? In your marriage, do you have a balance between your spouse and your kids? Do the kids rule the home? Because if so, your house is out of balance. The kids can't rule the home. Your marriage comes before your kids do. And that's important. I want you to understand, that's super important. Because guess what? Those kids are there until 18 they go off to college, and then you have somebody in the home that you're like, I don't know anymore. Yeah. If you put your kids first, you're going to lose your spouse in the long run. The person that you made a commitment to, to, to love, to cherish, to be there till death do you part. 
You're going to be like, I don't know who that person is. We can't do that. Eliminating toxicity. This, that's an important boundary in your life. Understanding when people are trying to take advantage of you. Understanding when just because they're blood doesn't mean they deserve influence in your life. It's, 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 it's super important to understand just because somebody carries the title of mother and father does not mean that they should have influence over every decision you make. Now, if they have established themselves as a godly person that has godly wisdom, then yes, by all means, take their wisdom. Because they're pointing you back to the Father. They're pointing you back to who God is. But if they're not doing that, then you can take practical advice. If they're a great business person, yeah, take their business advice. But understand and filter it through, I'm putting God first and what God has planned for my life first, and then take their advice. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about all of these boundaries that we need to set up because all of these things take a healthy understanding of boundaries. Without that, we will become hyper-focused on something and everything else drops. If you're hyper-focused on money, outside of you pursuing money, everything else is going to fall off because you will do anything and everything to get another dollar and everything else will fall off. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God's will, everything will fall off. See, boundaries can be a great thing until they aren't. Boundaries can be really good because this is the the double-edged sword with boundaries. Boundaries are really great for you until they aren't. If you're too aggressive and too assertive in your boundaries, then they can actually work against you because you have the wrong motive behind the boundary. See, as humans, we have the tendency to take something God created and distort it to serve us better. We will distort what God created to serve our our own will and nature better, and we don't even realize we're doing it. See, when I first really started taking Jesus seriously at, at about the age of 15, I had an encounter with the Lord at this big conference. It was amazing. I got back home, and I was like, okay, God, I'm fired up. I'm pumped up. Like, what do I do? Like, and so somebody was like, you need to ask somebody, like, what a gr- good Christian life looks like. So I was like, okay. And so I went to this lady at our church. Her name was Barbara Maddox. She's very near and dear to my heart. I love that lady. She's now passed uh, on to, to be with the Lord, but, but she was very near and dear to my heart. And I asked her, I said, I said, Miss Barbara, What does a good Christian life look like? And I feel like what I heard versus what she meant were two different things. Because what she told me was, read your Bible every day. Pray regularly. Pray for others. And then I feel like this last one was a joke, but she said, don't curse, don't drink, don't chew, or run with girls that do. Right? Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and so she was like, you know, stay away from all, the, all, all that extra stuff. And, um, and so, so how she meant it was probably different than how I took it. But what I did was I created a framework for my daily life on which I thought my holiness was built upon. So it was like, did I pray today? Check. Did I read today? Check. Did I pray for somebody else today? Check. Did I smoke, drink, or chew? Nope, I'm good. 
holy, check. We laugh about it, but this is how we think about it sometimes. Like, all right, so I prayed today, good. I didn't commit the big sin I've been dealing with today. I'm good. And this is okay, but this is what the enemy does is he's trying to lull us into a place of apathy where we've replaced relationship with Jesus with a checklist mentality. And so that's, that's not what the boundaries in our life are for. The boundaries in our life are actually for us to be able to grow closer in intimacy with God. But what we've done is we've accidentally, because I genuinely believe none of us have done it on purpose, but we've accidentally distorted it and made it into a checklist mentality that we've taken the relationship with Jesus out of it and made it about how we feel about God and our relationship with him. Obviously, I'm in good standing because I've done all the requirements. See, the boundaries in which God gives us to live life are meant, are meant for us. They are meant for us to flourish. And talking with Jason this week, he, he kind of showed some great insight to this because we we're kind of getting back, going back and forth, and I was kind of getting stuck in my own thought process, and I shared with him, and, and he said, hey, take, take a look, look at Job 38. And Job 38, 4 and 11 say this. <coughs> Where were you, this is verse 4, when I laid the foundation of the earth, Tell me if you have understanding. So this is God speaking to Job after Job just spent the last 37 chapters going through it. And he was frustrated. His friends were complaining. He was, you know, he was, he was really feeling it all. And this is how God addresses him. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. In the verse 11, God says, and, and God said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. So what he's saying here is, he's like, I created the boundaries in which the ocean operates in. See, God's showing the boundaries he set for the sea. God commanded the ocean where it would thrive, just as he's commanded you where you will thrive. The boundaries that God has set for you are meant for you to thrive and have a great life. And have a God-centered life. See, the incredible thing about boundaries is that it's where, where you thrive. When you are in God's boundaries for your life, you have the opportunity to move within your potential. Potential is no longer something that you're striving for, but it becomes a daily reality. The ocean in the ocean is awesome. This was one of the things that really stuck out to me as Jason and I were talking. It said, the ocean in the ocean is awesome, but the ocean on land is called a flood. Boundaries are beneficial because they give you specific zones in which to work and operate within your purpose. Many times when you were experiencing destruction in your own life, it's because you've passed a boundary and what is awesome within that boundary becomes devastating outside of it. What is great within the boundaries of God is devastating when it's worked outside of it. What is great about your personality when you're in God and God is moving through you becomes devastating to you outside of it. 
See, because there's something we, we need to understand. We're not doing these things. We're not operating within these boundaries to earn favor with God. We do them because we love him and we have reverence for him. We just went over a, a, a five to six week sermon over a sermon series over the awe of God to have reverence for him. And so let's look at Abraham and what it means to, to have reverence for God and, and to understand that we're doing this because we love him. Romans 4, 1 through 5 talks about how Abraham gained, uh, he, he was count, it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God's word. See, it's not the works we're justified by. It's God. He has made us whole. He has made us righteous. It's him. It's understanding that we've come to him and he has made everything whole. And it was Abraham's belief in God and his word that, was, that it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed in his word and that was enough for him to continue forward in where God called him to go. The boundary that he is asking you to operate in is not to punish you, is not to take anything from you, but it's actually to enhance you so your purpose and potential can be fulfilled. We have to believe that God, that he is the source of our very life. And we have to squash the notion and belief that we can make our own way because that's what the enemy does. He comes in with these little lies and is like, oh, you can work a little bit more. You can get that over time. That will take care of all your financial needs. And he tries to place it back in your hands. If I could just work a couple more overtime shifts, we'll be good. If that person was still here, everything would be okay. If I could just do a little bit more, they would love me. See, these are all the, all the lies that we, we try to take in and control everything and try to make sense of the chaos, and simply it's because we're not operating within God's boundaries. Thinking like this will only bring focus and attention to you and your perceived shortcomings. In God-centered boundaries, we realize he holds all things. And as we honor him, we will see the fruits of that honor produced in our lives. To honor him in God-centered boundaries means we don't hold anything back. We give him everything. We don't say, all right, God, here's the 90%, but I'm going to hold on to my money. All right, God, here's the 90%, but I'm in control of my stuff. Here's the 90%, but I'm going to parent my kids how I want to parent them. Here's the 90%, but I'm going to treat my spouse how I want to treat my spouse. No, if we are going to honor him, we have to honor him in all aspects of life, in every single boundary. If we aren't careful, we will begin to section things off in our hearts from God rather than giving him everything. When we try to limit what God has control over in our lives, we place a wall in front of what God is trying to bless. We, we place a wall in between what God is trying to bless and him. Because we're saying, no, 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 no. No, this is mine. I'll take care of it. I think I can manage money better than you can. But that's okay because we've all been there. We've all wrestled with that, that thought process because guess what? The enemy comes in and, and he tries to deceive and he tries to poke and he tries to prod 
And it's okay to wrestle with those things, but ultimately we need to get back to a place where we say, God, even though I don't understand it, I'm going to honor you. Even though I don't get it, I'm going to honor you. See, how silly would it have been if Peter, Andrew, and James, and John took their fishing nets with them to be like, you know what, just in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out, I can find water nearby and still go fishing and get some money. But that's what we do when we section our lives off from God. We're bringing our our nets with us rather than dropping them and becoming fishers of men. When, When we begin to section, we're saying, I can control this better than God can. And we can't do that. See, because godly boundaries in the Bible, what what we see in the first five books is we see that it's literally comprised of the foundational principles that God teaches us, that God had gave Moses. And as it went on, the priest would teach on the the 613 laws given throughout the Torah, and then they began began to create something called the the Mishnah. The original intended purpose of the Mishnah Mishnah was to help explain the law and make it easier for people to apply to their lives. But over time, this was convoluted into a legalistic way to keep the law rather than finding the Spirit of God through the law. Instead of this being counted as righteousness for them, Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, because what they did was they built ways around the law to make themselves look and feel like they were righteous, but they missed the point. Because if you look and feel righteous without the sacrifice to love God, without the, the hurt that it comes to choose these things when everything in you is crying out to choose something else, you miss the point. See, this even continues today in Jew- Jewish culture. Because in New York, they, they, still, they still practice this, and they have this nearly the entire island of Ma- Manhattan, they have this red wire that goes around and they make sure every weekend that it's still intact so people can leave their homes on the Sabbath and go anywhere in Manhattan and they're still good according to the law. But that's, once again, it's not what it says, but they've created their own boundaries to never touch the law, to never actually encounter what God was trying to say and do. And how have we done that in our own lives? We have to stop breaking up following God into do's and don'ts and start focusing on pursuing him with everything we can. In your relationship with your spouse, is it based off mutual love and affections or the things you do and don't do for them? Because if it's mutual love and affection, it doesn't matter what you do and don't do, there's always going to be grace and mercy and kindness. But if it's based off the do's and don'ts, you start going at it when things aren't being, when expectations aren't being met. Have you made your relationship with Jesus more about your failures than his works in you and through you? Titus 3, 4 through 7 says this, but when the goodness and loving 
kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's through all of his work. There's nothing we can do to be righteous and holy. We've accepted him, and part of accepting him means after that point going forward, we live according to his ways. So we have to live according to his boundaries. See, we can begin to get in a cycle where we condemn ourselves because we aren't meeting the standard of a good Christian. Jesus doesn't want a good Christian. He wants a Christ follower. There is a difference. He wants you to be his disciple. See, I've been guilty in my life of being able to point people to Jesus, but I didn't know how to get there myself. We have to know how to get to Jesus if we want to point people to him. Jesus wants to know you intimately. He wants personal relationship with you. He created you. He knows everything there is to know about you. We have to stop this checklist mentality. The list I gave earlier was a a good starting place, but it wasn't until someone took the time to teach me why I read the Bible, why I pray, and everything else that my faith really came alive. The what is great, but if you don't know the why, you're going to miss the mark every time. The only way to change this is by having an understanding of who God is. So I want to give you a few key points that will help you live a more spiritually fulfilled life. See, it's amazing just how quick Jesus is to forgive us, but how quick we are to condemn ourselves. It's, if Jesus himself was willing to cut us some slack and extend grace, why can't we do that for for ourselves? It's evidence that your life is works-based, and that means you see your value as works-based. If God saw you based on your works, it's over. But he sees you based on his son's work, not your work. This does not mean do whatever you want, but it does mean be willing to extend the same level of grace to yourself that Jesus does to you. And I want to add, and to others. Because we are quick to criticize the people around us when we're unwilling to hold ourselves accountable for the things we, short, we fall short on. So point one, seek the kingdom and his righteousness first. Jesus laid this out in Matthew chapter 6. It's a basic way to live life. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, whatever you eat or whatever you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, right? This is, this is a life verse for Alexis and I. Look at the birds of the air and how, how he will take care of them, right? Look at the, consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. When we are seeking his kingdom first, we have the ability to tap into his strength and not be anxious about the things we need. See, because that's what drives a lot of these boundaries we, we break in our lives. A lot of these misalignments is this anxiety and this stress about, do I have enough money? Am I feeding my kids? <coughs> do they have clothes? Right? It, it, it fuels this anxiety in us. But if we're seeking first his kingdom, we know that he, he is the holder of all things, that all provision comes from him. So if I need anything, might as well start with the person who created it all in the first place. See, now there's a difference between being foolish with what God has granted you and squandering it. See, but if you remain faithful with the things he's given you, see, you can't ask him to provide and then go blow it. No, he provides, then you give him his 10% that he asks. You're, you're a cheerful giver in any opportunity that you can, and you pay your bills, and then if there's anything left over, you're smart with it. Yes. You invest wisely. You do things with wisdom in what the scriptures say. See, we create segments in what we are allowing God to touch, and we allow the enemy to come in and create all sorts of chaos. That's one of the reasons anxiety can set in in these scenarios, is because we're setting a boundary that takes more strength than we have. We're setting a boundary out of our own wisdom instead of setting a God-centered boundary that he has the strength to protect you from, for. See, God will never illuminate something in your life that the Holy Spirit does not have the power to help you walk out. If the Holy Spirit illuminates something in you, it means that he's giving you both the power but also the courage to change it. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is illuminating something? Things can create an emotional reaction in you, things that irk you, frustrate you, things that make you say this should not be and it needs to be different. That's the Holy Spirit wanting you to do something about it. Point number two, understand his word. Understanding the Bible is important to being able to know his ways and walk them out. Without understanding his words, we don't have an understanding of him. Psalm 119, 1-8 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who do who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. It goes on to say later, how can a young man keep his ways pure? By guarding it according to your word. God's word plays an important role in how we set boundaries for our life, but we can't look at it as a do and don't list. We have to understand the why. The boundaries given to us in scripture aren't limiting us, or they aren't limiting, limiting us. They are actually propelling us to a place where the fullness of purpose and potential collide so God can have his way. 
We need to break the lie that, that the enemy has put in us saying God is limiting us. This is the same mindset that he was able to work in Eve that ultimately led to Adam eating of the fruit. We have to choose the kingdom we are going to work for. Faithfulness to God or, or faithfulness to Satan. It's time to stop sitting on the fence and make a decision because guess what? Satan owns the fence too. We think we can wait. We can't. The only way to combat passive willingness for the enemy is through fervent, intentional action for the kingdom. Number three, intentional application. James chapter 1, 22 through 25 talks about being doers of the word, not just hearers. For if anyone is a hearer, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. So it's great to hear, but if you're not actually walking the word out, nothing is going to change. We have to create moments of intentional application of what Jesus is saying. It's great to know his word, but without applying it to your life, you will stay in, infant, in an infant-like state in your faith, only knowing certain aspects of God. You're in charge of your faith being built and growing. No one else can, will be held accountable for you knowing Jesus other than you. So you set godly boundaries. We can't set godly boundaries. This is point number three. You set godly boundaries. You can't set godly boundaries without the first two. You have to seek his kingdom and his righteousness to know him. You have to know his word, and then setting boundaries is easy. To be effective in your boundaries, you have to seek the kingdom and be in line with the kingdom. So to, uh, you have to start with God. The first I feel is obvious, but I'll, I'll restate it. You have to believe in him and confess him as Lord. You have to carry your cross daily. This is a boundary. So what is causing you to sin? And you need to die to that thing. That means if you're having issues with the internet, you're getting rid of your phone, you're getting rid of access, whatever it means, you're getting rid of it because you're not going to give the enemy a foothold. Getting rid of apps and things that are, are, are distracting you and leading you to places you shouldn't be in, right? Find the smallest triggers and cut them out. Are you coveting off from people on Instagram? Get off Instagram. You can live life without it, I promise. Get everything out of your life that's causing you to fall. Spend time to find what he designed you to do with your life. What has he called you to do? He's all called us to go make disciples, but how is he going to do that through you? Figure that out. Pray. Seek the Lord. Ask people around you to pray for you. Is there anything that steals attention away from time with God or his purpose in you? Netflix, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, anything else? Cut it out. Now your family, and I'm talking about your spouse and your kids. I'm not talking about extended family, in-laws, none of that. Your spouse and your kids, that's your family. Leave and cleave. Anyways, um, I'm talking about <laughs> um, you should center your home around godly wisdom and living. So you have to understand godly wisdom and what it means to live a godly life so you can teach your kids because Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Come on. So train, create intentional times to teach your kids the Bible. We, create, we got a 40-day devotional study for kids and we read through it every night and it challenges Alexis and I just like it does the girls. Yeah. 
It's just who Jesus is throughout the Old and the New Testament. That's what we're talking about. And it's so good. In your finances, homes, cars, whatever else you might have, God has entrusted you with that, so be excellent in how you take care of it. Men, the Bible is clear the boundaries set for your wife. Lover as Christ loves the church. Wives, respect your husbands. Parenting, set boundaries with your kids. Your kids don't run you. Like, please be empowered by that. Please. I'm tired of seeing three-year-olds tell mom and dad how life is going to be. You run the home. You pay the bills. You do. Get on it. See, discipline and structure, sorry, (laughs) discipline and structure cater to what God's plan and purpose for them is what will bring life to them. Discipline them in what God's plan and purpose for them is. Work, this is a priority because God gave you that opportunity, so be excellent in it. But work cannot come at a sacrifice of the influence in your kids' lives or your wife or your, your husband's lives. The void of an absent parent will always be filled. So you can't complain when YouTube is influencing your kids more than you are. (laughs) If you aren't present to get to, if you are present, you get to determine what influence is and isn't allowed in your kids' lives. Relationships give people opportunity as you grow closer but they need the five qualities. They need to know you and God. They need to love you and God. And they need to have your best interest at heart. That's how they, they get to be real close to you. If they don't have those qualities, they stay on the outside of the circle. And that's okay. It doesn't matter what title the, person's hold, the person holds. If they're trying to get, get you to conduct what... Sorry. If they are trying to get you to contradict what God is doing in your life, They are moved from influence to acquaintance. Eliminating things that aren't of God. Identify if it is of God. If it's not, get rid of it. It's like, I promise you, it's that simple. Take the emotion out of it and say, I'm going to obey God. And And then finally, there's ways you can apply the scripture. Spend time in prayer and on your way to work, on your way home from work, listen to the Bible every day. Download the version or Mess- Messenger X apps and gain wisdom and insight to the Bible through their studies and programs. Reach out so- to someone that can help you learn what the Bible's actually saying. Yes. Freedom class, it's a great tool for you. For you to find freedom over things you didn't even know were deeply rooted in you. Plugging into a team. Maybe your next step is, I don't really know what God has built me for. So go get plugged into a team so you can figure it out. Find a mentor. Character doesn't change without authority in your life. Gifts and talents will take you to a place character won't keep you. So you need authority in your life to call out your character when you're, you're falling short. Finding someone to mentor. You are better at certain things than other people. When it comes to finances, I, I have learned to be business-minded, but I'm not naturally like that. And so when it comes to business, I've been talking to people within the church so I know how to set up my business the right way and run it the right way. If you have overcome an area that you see is just running rampant in people, 
and you've overcome it and you know a way. Create a group so you can start walking people through those steps. So let's come back to the story of, of Colonel Travis. See, he drew the line in the sand and asked if they were willing to stay there and fight for their freedom. Even in the face of death. And in a sense, I'm asking you the same question. Are you willing to draw the line and defend what God is asking you to do in life? What are you willing to do to see God move in your life? What are you willing to do to see God's God move in your kids' lives? What are you willing to give up? What, are, what boundary line are you willing to draw that's honoring God to see God move the way his scripture says he will? If you could please stand. I'm going to pray for you guys real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for everything that you do, and we pray, Lord, that you would pour out your blessings on your people and you would guide them and help them, God, and allow them to understand who you are in your ways so they can be God-centered in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.